We'll have no more of this Obi-Wan Kenobi gibberish. Hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. Uh, this is episode 111. I'm Roger. Uh, I'm not Roger. And this is the show where we each write a song in the space of a week and bring them to this podcast and we talk about how we wrote them. Chords, lyrics. Um, what else goes into writing a song, Declan? I've forgotten. Uh, mood, feel, emotion, love, joy. Oh, yeah, the stuff that actually matters. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that stuff. Sometimes we talk shop too deep. Yeah, sometimes we get so focused on the technical that we just lose sight of the fact that we're meant to be communicating emotion. And then you um, get emotional about it and then you write a new song. So that's the one you bring to the podcast. <laughs> so this is actually, this is episode two of season 12, which still kind of boggles the mind a bit. It does. Um, episode 111. 111. Did I say 112? No, you said season 12... Uh, episode one i was just pointing out that overall it's episode 111 that's insane that's a beautiful number just all the free ones there we're not going to get that again for another 900 or so episodes oh my god actually no it'll be precisely 1000 episodes oh so it will yes yeah good point well, see you folks again in a thousand episodes. <laughs> we'll be doddery old men by that point. Do you remember a time that I used to diminish chord? Uh, it makes me it makes me wonder, like on a semi-serious note, like I wonder what will be different in that amount of time about like our songwriting and stuff. You ever like uh, wonder? Yeah. Well, do you ever think about it in reverse? You go like the stuff I'm doing now that I've just learned would like eighteen year old me be impressed by or something? I do sometimes think about that. Like if you went to your teenage self with all of their hopes and dreams of becoming big mega successful by the time they leave university, and <laughs> oh no, and then you sort of say, well, actually, I'm. I, None of that came true, but I I can I can do key changes without it being obvious. Yeah, and you you host a podcast with seven listeners. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's seven very gracious listeners that we're thankful to have. Absolutely, we love you. But if also, you could go out and tell your mates, that'd be amazing. <laughs> there's more than seven of you. Actually, I don't I don't know. And it doesn't even matter, does it? <laughs> No. Does it matter? Of course. What it matters is that we create something that is beautiful and that is true to ourselves. We're really and in trouble. It is massively then. successful and gets <laughs> gets us a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're doing challenges this season. Um, last week we did uh, write a song in the style of Motown. Um, yes, what are we doing we this week? This week we are doing write TV themes. TV themes. TV um, theme songs, and also kind of have an idea of what TV show it would go in front of. Yeah, so like, it's kind of like twofold in a way. Like in your in your head, for the sake of doing the song, make up a TV show, like you say, and then then write the theme tune. Um, it's, it's kind of weird the though. Theme tune, sing the theme tune. Sing the theme tune. But like with with um, we've kind of spoken about this a little bit off air. But like with TV theme tunes, like there's a certain era of TV theme tunes, and I'm thinking like. 60s 70s 80s a bit where like tv theme songs had like words and they were an actual song about the show whereas like these days it's a bit more sort of it could be like an instrumental or like breaking bad or something well i think the thing is as tv has gotten darker there's been less need for like chirpy upbeat songs that introduce you to the world and the characters 
and that kind of thing <laughs> mostly is relegated down to children's media which is meant to be lighter although even there it's a dying art but uh yeah it's just it used to be the case that almost everything had a theme tune on the front of it explaining the world that you were about to go into and the characters you might meet it's quite appropriate in a way because like um we spoke about before about when we watch a tv show um like you'll always watch the whole intro won't you like whereas i'll skip it because i'm a you know adhd you're a philistine um the uh, simpsons theme tune goes on for about five minutes well again that's like this weird case of uh matt grading hadn't really watched a lot of tv since the 50s and 60s back when you used to have those long intros so the simpsons is this weird exception like uh if you look at most TV themes pre-80s, they're all quite long. Whereas mm. once you get into the digital era, you have much stricter limits on what you can fit into a program. And you have much more licensing and regulation of what actually makes up a co- the content of a program. So TV themes get noticeably shorter. To the point now where you have things that just have title cards. And it's just like, come on, dude. <laughs> yeah, but it's lyrics. You had a chance to like set the mood here, but no, it's just a and the name of the show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, quite often these days with like, because I watch like a lot of sci-fi stuff. It's like you have five minutes of like a cold intro, like you know, a cold opening, just like scenes, and then it'll just yeah, just kind of go and it'll show why, the title. This is why retro sci-fi is the best because it has loads of weird and wacky instruments that now sound so incredibly dated that it's so cheesy and it's so fun and I absolutely love it. <laughs> it's brilliant, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, we're both quite, like, retro in our tastes, let's be fair. So I I'm think that, perfectly that... modern, how dare you? <laughs> Actually, to be fair, you do like rap music now. I have found one or two rap albums that I like, therefore I am a complete convert. <laughs> rap, and, rap and roll, yes. Um, yes, that's the grand finale of the season, folks. <laughs> Declan's going to don a backwards cap and... Uh... Straight out of Campbell. <laughs> Straight out of Campbell. <laughs> Crazy motherfucker named Declan. Oh, dear. Declan's a very... It's a very non-rap name, isn't it, Declan? But Roger is too, to be fair. Oh, I could go uh, down the route of PJ and Duncan if I wanted to truly embarrass myself. <laughs> there is there is precedent for someone called Declan rapping. Ah, so you wouldn't be the first, okay. <laughs> By the yeah, way... but the, fir- the first is Ant and Dex, so... Which brings us back to TV, which is, like, convenient. Oh, my God, full circle. You see, this is, this is why we're the pros, you know. This is why they pay us the big bucks to do this show. Wait, they pay us? No, actually, we pay to do the show. <laughs> oh, oh, I see, I see. Actually, um, that's true. It's <laughs> true, isn't it? Um, but, uh, yeah, um, we do take it in turns as to who, whose song we listen to first each week. And this week, we're going to listen to Declan's song first. Um, well, I say song. Um, I'll just throw it over to you. I mean, what have you made? <laughs> What I have presented everybody with this time is what I would perceive as the opening music and the closing music to a show called Penelope. Um, I'm so sorry. This is what it is.
Penelope, I want you not to tangle with that man. He lives for double dealings. He'll catch you if he can. Penelope, I have you. Be very sure of your escape. What drives you to deception? The risks you have to take. The silk, the cover, steel. Which side of you is real? He'll be saying, "Come the morning, you are the one who got away." Penelope, we know you. You are the one who got away. So that was、uh, Penelope, and well, Penelope's opening theme and closing theme song. I、uh, really like it. It's great. It's、uh, both are quite different, but they kind of sh- it seems like they share some similarities, like compositionally.、Um, I really like it. How do you start? How do you start with this one?、Um, I started this one thinking, "Oh my goodness, I've got to write a TV theme. What on earth am I going to do?"、Um, <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> as I assume we both did.、Uh, so what ended up being the case is, I thought, right, I know what I'm going to do. I like Jerry Anderson's works like Thunderbirds, Captain Scarlet, Stingray, Joe Ninety, Fireball X and Five, Supercar, that kind of stuff.、Um, I'm mainly focused on Stingray, Captain Scarlet, and Thunderbirds, but those shows were all scored by Barry Gray,、uh, who is an amazing TV composer, and he's actually one of my favourites.、Um, so I thought, well, wouldn't it be a fun idea? To try and do something that sounded like Barry Gray,、um, so the thing would be like, okay, so this has got to go on like a Jerry Anderson style show. So it's going to be tons of brass, really military sound, and like you know, all going to be that kind of thing, like Thunderbirds point two. So what kind of what kind of idea would you have? To make a show theme for, because the thing is, we've got to come up with the idea for、uh, the show as well.、Mm. And I was a big dum dum, and I couldn't think of anything original. <laughs> so, what I did was I thought、uh, of characters in、uh, some of the Jerry Anderson shows who could have had their own spinoff. And the obvious one that never ever happened was Lady Penelope. Okay.、Um, for those of you who. Aren't aware she is basically the London secret agent of international rescue in Thunderbirds. So, like, if there's a rescue that's happening and they need some classified information, but they can't just ask for it because they're a secret organisation, they can just send Penelope off to go and have her own mini adventure and get the information that they need to go and save people. Hmm.、Um, and she was a very popular character, and she never got her own TV show. And I thought, well, that'd be a nice thing to do. Like pretend to have like a spy show about her.、Uh, now this suddenly <laughs> meant that doing the big bombastic Brassfield Barry Gray <laughs> idea that I wanted to do was suddenly not possible because, as we know, the past is a sexist place where、uh, <laughs> where where things are bad.、Um, but if you listen to a lot of the Barry Gray scores. Most of the militaristic actions, most of the male characters will tend to have like 
brass themes. This is a common thing in composing where you, like, you have brass as your sort of heroic sound. Like Think of Superman's theme. Or like the Thunderbirds march itself. Uh, they're like these big brass things. And you can even use that for power as well. So think of uh, Empire Strikes Back, uh, the Imperial March. Now, the trouble is, Barry Gray doesn't really use that for female themes. Most of Penelope's scenes in Thunderbirds are sort of scored with this more orchestral stringy sound and like the angel fighter pilots from captain scarlet the successor series uh whilst all the spectrum has like this military style and this brass kind of thing the angels have like strings and harps as their theme despite the fact that they're all fighter pilots (laughs) so (laughs) that's so funny so it's kind of uh that thing of right well If I'm going to embrace the era, I kind of need to like steer away from that kind of sound and into the more sort of string bit. Uh, so I sort of knew that had to be the case. Uh, but I still wanted to keep some brass in there, so that's why there's like those little that sort of come in there as well. Ah, uh, yeah, like in the background sort of thing. Yeah, just because it needs to be in there somewhere. Mm. Um, which is also why I was asking for that brass plug-in. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I should I should say, I got a message from Declan in the week saying, uh, by the way, uh, do you know of any good free ba- uh, brass plugins? I know it's a strange request. I was like, um, why? And now I know. <laughs> yes, the, the veil has been cleared. Um, so I sort of knew that had to be the case. Um, I also kind of knew it needed to be sort of not dark that's the wrong word because it would you know kind of be aimed at families so like kids would have to watch and be excited by it as well like espionage yeah kind of like dangerous for lack of a better term right right uh so kind of i knew you'd probably want some more complex chord tones in there than just straight majors and minors ah okay um, uh so i sort of thought about that and then did nothing with it for a bit and then i had this idea uh of just the opening melody which was just dun, 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 dun. i was just like that works. I'm not sure if I've nicked that from somewhere, but that works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's that thing of like, does this already exist? I mean, we've said that so many times on the podcast, but yeah. Yeah, so we're not looking into this. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I think it's original. I'm not going to check. <laughs> um, But then working out the chords that would be under that gave like a D minor 7 sus 4... And a G sus two, I think. <laughs> it's it's been a while since I've actually put the notes into something, so but I think those are correct. Um, and that immediately sets you up in kind of the key feel that you're going for. 
sets you up uh, in a key, but also kind of like because you got all those like extensions on the chord, meaning like you know extra bits, extra notes on top of the chord. You have like a more like uneasy, you know, unsure feel, which I guess really works with the theme of the show. Yeah, that's that's exactly why it's there. Um, putting the complex chords tones in was relatively easy because what you just do is you take all the notes that are in your melody, like on the run up, and you just sh- shove them into the chords anyway. <laughs> right, you get in. Yeah, it's like, okay, so y- there will be a passing note that's an A, so an A's got to be in every single thing. Um, <laughs> um, from there, it's kind of like a case of trying to get the chords to follow the melody. Uh, so it's coming up the next bit of the me. I need. I knew it wanted to go onto that B flat. So then it goes. It does a D minor thing again. Uh, then goes to a E diminished. All right. Uh, then again, D minor seven to G sus two, G minor to A seven. Ooh. So you so you sort of shifted one of the chords from major to minor, which is a little unstable there, mm. which I just kind of like. Um, but it's just a case of once you had like the chord ideas of it, it's then a case of trying to fill it out. Because one of the things I love about uh, Barry Gray's scores, and this isn't unique to him, but it's something I always pick up on in his scores. You have little melodies that chase each other. Like, particularly if you hear, like, the stereo versions. Like, most of the shows were, like, mastered in mono. But if you hear the stereo ones, you can sort of hear little melodies jumping back and forth and sort of chasing each other and completing each other. Oh, uh, you definitely nailed that, then. Yours definitely does that. Yeah. Uh, thank you. <laughs> um, which is why you've got, like, the little brass there, because I had to put some brass in somewhere. Uh, but, and why you've got, like, that little harmony that comes in at the top and where you've got the bass got it, it's almost... And that sort of thing. It's very orchestral. It's like, I mean, particularly is like, you know, we're so many episodes in, 111 episodes in, and this is the first one you've done sort of like not on the guitar or the piano, but like using MIDI instruments. Like, how was that for you writing in that way? That was scary in that it was very tempting to sort of be too clever. (laughs) (laughs) Like, uh, I'm not the greatest piano player in the world anyway, but like, it's very tempting once you've got that ability there and you can, excuse me, you can edit the notes in the computer afterwards uh, and just go, right, okay, we'll have like a big run that goes yeah, all the way down. Tempting to open Pandora's box and like, yeah, make something that you could never play. <laughs> yeah, quite right. Yeah. Which, I mean, there is a little case of that. There is a military snare like drum there to try and keep a little bit of that feel, which I could never play. But at the same time, it's yeah, like the roll and then and like trying to keep that beat going. But I could never do a roll like that. I can't do a roll at all. Um, I could never do a roll like that. It's like a it's like a boy band song. Sorry, complete digression. Carry on. (laughs) I could never do a roll like that. (laughs) This is why I was never a teen idol. Uh, (laughs) Boy band week. Boy band. Oh dear. Scraping in the bottle of the barrel there, lads. Um, <laughs> hey, don't say that. Some boy band songs are fantastic. I mean, yeah, when the people who write them can write fantastic songs. I'll give you that. <laughs> yes. um, he said snarkily. Um, but what's my point? Oh, yeah, my point was that uh, whilst that is something that I can't do, it's not beyond the realms of possibility for 
moderately talented drummers to do. Right, yeah, right. It's it's not something that I've suddenly said, right, okay, so you need to play uh, the snare with two of your arms and then you need to do this like ride cymbal thing with your third arm. And actually, if you could just keep this tom pattern going with like your left leg and your right shin, because <laughs> uh, you'll need your right foot, obviously, for the kick drum. We should say at this point, um, correct me if I'm wrong here, but you you do kind of have like a rule with making music, especially recording music, that you will only do things that are like that you can play or could be like recorded in the 70s way of like performing the, the part as opposed to like cheating. Yes, I try and stick to that as much as possible. Um, as I have grown up and grown beyond these silly superstitions, uh, I superstitions. am less stuck to the 70s ways of doing things. Like I will take the advantages that having a computer will give me. I just won't take any of the shortcuts. So, for example, um, my recording projects always go on for like 20, 30, 40, sometimes 50 tracks because I am terrible at being economic with this stuff <laughs> i would have been dreadful in the days of an eight track studio um <laughs> but it's not cheating so far as i'm concerned like you're not uh you know it's it's something that if they could have done it in the 70s they would have i mean yeah like more and more tracks and you hear tales of like them bouncing down so they do get extra tracks to do like you know big uh, overblown bits in their songs. Well, I mean, like, um, Sgt. Pepper in the 60s was recorded on a four track, and they managed to, like, like you say, record all their drums, bass, percussion, everything about that to just one track. Uh, so essentially, Sgt. Pepper's like a 16 track album, you know? Yeah, it's like following it in spirit, if not necessarily <laughs> by the letter of the law. Um, yeah. But I would never go back and, uh, like, for example, I would never go back and change the pitch of a note I sung unless it was for a you know artistic purpose. Right. Like it was meant to sound like a robot or something. Right, right. I get you. Yeah. Or I wouldn't drag a slightly sloppy guitar solo into the right place because at that point you're changing the like timing and feel of the performance. Also, like I think. I've fallen into the, into the trap before of like flexing solos, which is flexing for people who don't know is like, like what you just said, basically moving the rhythm slightly so it's like right robotically on time. But actually, what I've learned over time is like don't do that. Not only because it's cheating, but also like it doesn't sound as good. Like it actually sounds better if you have a human touch in your recordings. I I think. Well, it's kind of a guitar solo is the closest point you can actually get a guitar to talking in terms of its timing and its phrasing. It's still got to be on mm. the beat and it's still got to be in time. But, like, uh, you can get so much from just, like, holding a note back for just a little bit too long or, like, jumping ahead slightly or uh, just imitating the faults of spoken language in the in music. Mm, absolutely yeah yeah i mean our favorite music you and i i think it's fair to say is like stuff that's recorded by people you know whether they're all together in a room or just like overdubbing played by real people you know not anyway not cheating yes but we've yes. kind of really gone down that rabbit hole yeah yeah we've we've gone off the point suffice it to say uh i'm the best at midi because i don't cheat uh now if i could get someone to make me sound good that would be amazing um <laughs> So that's been a lot about the opening theme. Uh, the closing theme is mostly the same chords, except 
it has instead of having a D minor as the basis for a lot of it, is actually an F major. Oh, so like the relative major up? Uh, yeah, like all the rest of the chords are the same, but it's just an F instead of a D minor. Oh, that's cool. Um, I like that. So the idea behind that is, uh, like, if you're starting the show, you're going to have like something dark and exciting and get you into it and like you know get you excited for the drama that's going to happen Hmm. presumably at the end of the story your hero has won so you're just sort of basking in their glory so it's just a nice relaxing like finish off your cup of tea and just get prepared to come back into the real world Mm -hmm. i like that um and this one is actually a song a because this is a a weekly song challenge um (laughs) but b uh, Jerry Anderson shows do kind of sometimes have songs as their end credits. In fact, the three that I was kind of taking most from, Stingray, Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet. Uh, Captain Scarlet and Stingray do have songs as their outros mm. uh, with lyrics about the characters, uh, which uh, make for interesting listening on their own. But it's kind of interesting to see the progression of them. So Aqua Marina, which is the closing music. Thunderbuzz was meant to have a closing song, by the way, but they just thought it was terrible. And they just <laughs> put the intro music on the end again, and it just really worked. Um, hmm. So uh, Aqua Marina, the closing music for Stingray, is very old-school, croonery, rock and roll kind of like... Um, it's not even rock and roll. It's, it is literally just crooner music. It's Marina, Aquamarina, Aquamarina. What are these strange enchantments that start whenever you're about like uh, a, a mute merfolk person uh, from the bottom of the sea uh, who goes out in the submarine to fight in the adventures but she does nothing because she's mute and it's, it's, it's <laughs> this is a weird thing of trying to explain retro TV um, yeah I haven't seen this so that sounds mental to me <laughs> it is um <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, as they went on, the shows got less and less sort of surrealistic, with the exception of the Misterons and Captain Scarlet, which are like surreal as, but it really, really works. Um, hmm. uh, but by the time you get to Captain Scarlet, uh, the backing music... Well, there's two backing tunes to Captain Scarlet. The first is like an instrumental thing with the name of the show as some lyrics. Oh, right, okay. Also- yeah, which is actually what they did on the intro of Stingray as well. Like, there's, uh, you know, it's a Stingray, Stingray, like just popping in out of the, uh, out of the tune somehow. By the time there is a version with sung, uh, lyrics captain scarlet and theme as well but by the time you get to that 
guitars have entered Barry Gray's musical lexicon. <laughs> he was a bit late then. <laughs> the electric guitar was invented in like the 30s, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, but like in terms of like a rock and roll setting. Oh, okay. So like it sounds like in 67 he's managed to make it sound like, I don't know, 62 Beatles or something. Oh, okay. Captain Scarlet. Um, because television is always years and years behind. Uh, so, in my fictional, in my fictional Jerry Anderson universe, <laughs> the Penelope TV show would have been made just after Thunderbirds, but before Captain Scarlet. So it would be based around like a guitar thing. So it maybe even might be based around acoustic guitar. Uh, but it's definitely more of like a pop song focus as opposed to being like crooner music. Right, right. Yeah, so like a bit more contemporary. Yeah, so like you've moved one step in the right direction, but not so far that suddenly like the Captain Scarlet Spectrum version of the theme sounds weird. <laughs> um, the lyrics were really hard to do on this one, but like once I cracked it, they came out quickly, but it's just hard to try and get the right tone. Because obviously the idea would be that Lady Penelope is a spy, but you can't do seductress, dark, um, sexually charged innuendo sort of spy stuff like you could with like James Bond because they're puppets and it's mm. a family show. It would be weird. I mean, you could you could kind of get away with it if it's live action, but just the fact that they are literally made out of fiberglass. Uh, and they've got strings like going up to people about what ten foot above them operating them. You can't be sexualizing little puppets. No, it's not, not right. Your te- not unless you're Team America, which um, that was a choice. Uh- <laughs> mm, I wrote a letter. Don't worry. <laughs> it's been what uh, nearly twenty years. They'll reply to you eventually. <laughs> oh God, that movie's nearly twenty years old now. That's crazy isn't it that is yeah yeah it's crazy we're old i know yeah we are although Um, yeah anyway uh so uh the moment that the words clicked for me was uh when i had this idea of the lyric uh you were the one who got away i was like yes that really really works because that fits as like your sort of traditional spy theme kind of it's got it. It has a potential for a double meaning there, mm. but in terms of like love, in terms of like being a spy, but it's not so. You can easily take that in a very non-sexual direction. I like that. That's a really good double-sided thing. Yeah, so it's appropriate to the tone of the show, mm. but I don't know why a show with a female spy would automatically have to be have a sexualized theme i don't know why i'm like making such a big point of that except that the fact that i'm writing as if this is the 60s and sexism so i'm sorry everyone um <laughs> <laughs> well yeah you know you're writing for the era i get it yeah uh <laughs> it's something you just have to explain every single time before you performed it though <laughs> right <laughs> like i'm sorry i'm sorry here's some retro stuff <laughs> um so that kind of immediately puts you into my well what can you do so obviously it's got to be lady penelope sort of meeting some sort of foreign agent or something or uh enemy agent or some 
someone that's going to cause her harm. But mm. she has to kind of get away. So it works in that context. But therefore, there's this weird image. There's this one episode of Thunderbirds. This is just going to be the podcast now. But <laughs> there's this one episode of Thunderbirds where, strap in everyone, uh, there is a series of military planes that keep getting shot down by enemy agents. And it always happens at the exact same time. And no one knows why. Someone at International Rescue works out that a group that's got a famous pop song uh, is always playing when the attacks happen. Uh, so, <laughs> what they decide to do is go and visit this band playing live, where they have been playing live all this time, uh, and work out if they're behind it at all, at which point it turns out that a musical supercomputer is changing the pop music so that <laughs> so that it uh, tells the enemy agents where the planes are going to be attacked so that then International Rescue can go off and save the day. Um, what were they smoking when they wrote that? I don't know, but I desperately want some. But because it's to do They're with probably life. smoking the puppets. <laughs> <laughs> breathing in those plastic fumes oh dear uh, <laughs> um, but there is a scene in the episode where Lady Penelope is dancing with the person who turns out to be the enemy agent so you sort of my mind immediately let back to that image of these two puppets awkwardly trying to move around this dance floor oh right <laughs> <laughs> it's like okay Penelope I warn you not to tango with that man it's like yes okay that fits and because it's really short uh, the rest of it uh, came out really quickly. So it's kind of like, once you know it's got to end on you got away and it's got to start with the enemy agent, you can sort of just make a clear progression through. It's kind of like your song last week then, in, in, in the sense that your song last week, Swept Me Off My Feet, starts in December and ends in December of the next year. Like there's a sort of, And then it's like, oh, just fill in what happens sort of thing. Um, I suppose. I, 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 I suppose it does. In a way, um, you know, broadly. Th- th- thank you. Um, as, uh, it's it's not an intentional theme. It's just me being lazy. Um, so. Bravo. Bravo. <laughs> uh, so I think the only other bit that I haven't actually mentioned was the end of the intro theme has that stacked vocal harmonies on it. Oh, yes, yes. Which... Like I mentioned before, like uh, Stingray uses uh, the name of the show sung in its opening titles. Captain Scarlet, the first ending credits, use the name of the show sung. So I thought, I'll pop that in there as a little treat. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's got to be there. And it's building up this diminished chord. The last chord of the song is an A, but it then goes to a uh, C-sharp diminished with a B flat on top. Oh, nice. I can't remember exactly what that is off the top of my head, but uh that's what it is. And it's it's it kind of it's not quite the same uh sound as that stereotypical James Bond ending called down 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 But um it it's kind of like a vocal version of that and it's just kind of like this suspenseful note that would sort of fade out that you can just go into the show from there 
That's really cool. Very, yeah, very of the genre. That's great. Uh, thank you. Um, pain in the bum to do. Oh, I bet it was. Yeah, having to like stack an unusual because like sing, like harmonizing a major or minor chord is a different thing, but a diminished with something else on top is a bit bit unusual. Yeah. Oh, uh, the fact that I'm having to access my falsetto, which is not stable at the best of times, and try and keep everything on note. <laughs> Oh dear! You did it though. You did it. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, so that I think that's about all I have to say for that one. So, do you feel like you you sort of like nailed a lot of the um, main themes of the Barry Gray music? Because um, you know the show is better than I do. I don't know i don't necessarily think i did it doesn't sound it hasn't ended up sounding very barry gray but i know why i've done the things i've done and what i've taken and put into it hmm. that is from uh like the way that he writes his music right uh, okay so no but also yes i understand yeah yeah that makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think it's. I think we're going to have to stick the word "inspired" on that one. Right, right. I understand. Yeah. Um, no, it's it's really cool though. It's really cool, and I like the fact that you did an opening and a closing. Um, it actually makes Thank it feel you. like I can actually picture the show in my head um, to some extent. Just these puppets wobbling around and just like tripping over the furniture, and <laughs> <laughs> and from your description, I imagine it being very, very, very sexualized. <laughs> oh dear not really no but that's awesome ah, thank you very much right your show your show your show your show so my song this week is um it's kind of a kids sci-fi theme tune Ooh. and i couldn't come up with an I, I have the program in my head if that makes sense but it doesn't have a name so this for the time being is just called tv theme very original and it goes like this tucks between the valleys of a planet far from me far beyond the mountains and the sparkling purple sea little men and ladies live in perfect harmony and you'll feel right at home when you arrive if you fly past the moon in your big red balloon You may find that the dust starts to clear If you fly past the stars left of Jupiter and Mars Then it won't be too long till you're here And don't let every fading light Make your heart grow dim You may find out that their heart is hurting too And though you're many miles away There's a world of friends just waiting here for you So that was Roger's song, TV Theme And that was, yeah and now, welcome to a new show on BBC One, TV Theme. Uh, <laughs> it's just called TV Show. 
But uh, that's really lovely. It's really, really chill, really zen, really peaceful. I like. Um, Thank you. So, so, what process did you undertake to get to this one? Actually, what did you come up with first? Did you come up with like an idea for a TV show first, or like, a rough idea of what you wanted to do, or did you like just start writing the music and see where that led you? Uh, good question. I started with the music with this one, so just um, I, I I wrote I started writing early in the weeks, so like Monday or Tuesday or something. I uh, picked up the guitar and I just came up with the whole thing that you hear like on the acoustic guitar. But like I just kind of like hummed the vocal melody, and uh, you know I came up with little fragments of words. You know, if you fly past the moon, okay, that that kind of fits there, syllable wise and stuff. Um, and I'm saying the word moon, so we already know it's going to be set in space to some extent. Um, and then just certain chords suggested. I mean, that it could be a song about mooning people. It very well could have been, but <laughs> that's a strange television show, though. <laughs> That would that would be that would get uh, super cancelled. Well, it could be on late at night. You know, it could be one of those shows that you come downstairs, you can't sleep. Two in the morning, you turn the TV on, and there it is, Mooning Network. But it's just got this really lovely theme tune. On it. <laughs> That'd be really funny, wouldn't it? <laughs> really soft, gentle theme tune for like just people getting their arses out. <laughs> their arses um, out. Their arses out in in the West Country, boy. Oh dear! I didn't mean to say all that stuff I just said then. Anyway, um, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so th- there were certain like you know when you kind of like just write the, the music for something, certain like chord changes suggest um, like a certain change in energy. So like um, the beginning is very like gentle. It's like it's an E major and it just kind of like goes down the E major scale. So it's like um, E major, uh, B major. C sharp minor, B major, A major, um, and that sort of thing. So it just kind of goes down, but just kind of like playing the first and the fifth. Um, so it's kind of very diatonic, very finger picked, and everything. And so, like, <clears throat> even before I had the lyrics, I was like, "That's that bit's going to be very gentle, you know, just kind of like describing the world, the TV shows, and whatever that world turns out to be." Mm-hmm. And then when it gets to if you fly past the moon, you use a major second. Um, as as the second chord so you go e major and then f sharp major and so that's the part where it goes if you fly past the moon and like that's it's the part like a where a little it, injection of life there or a little injection of like not just mood setter yeah exactly it's like it's almost like you've lifted off and you're like i don't know in, in my head i kind of picture like the the theme song like it would have a video attached to it as they often do um, or a visual. Well, I mean, it'd be a it. very, it would be a very poor television show if it didn't have visuals there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just a dark screen with a song playing. Now that's eerie. And now on uh, our premier television network, the radio. <laughs> um, um, I've completely lost my uh, my train of thought. Um, so you had this idea for about when the major second hits about the images that you would want. Ah uh, yes, the, the images, the images, Declan. That's, the visual stimuli. Yeah, and I was just kind of thinking like that would be the part where like you start like as as the viewer flying through space, you know. So it was like just kind of finding ways to describe that. Um, but anyway, so I'll do the music first. Um, but 
um, came up with all the music and I just recorded it to a click track on the computer. So I had like the guitar part and then every day I'd come back to it and just like, yeah, I don't know, just like between, because I work from home, like just between work or like after a shower or just before bed or whatever, just put it on a loop and just sing over it, just like mumbled nonsense. But then like the mumbled nonsense every day would like take on more and more like actual words and mm. so I would just keep my notebook, you know, um, on my desk and just kind of fill in the blanks throughout the week. And by Thursday or Friday, I had all the words. Um, and the words were kind of like, like, you kind of asked, like, oh, did it start out with like a TV theme or like a TV show in my head that I then wrote for? Or was it the other way around? I think it was the other way around in the the lyrics kind of like, because they were written quite, is piecemeal the right terminology, like bits at a time? Yeah, bits and bobs coming together at the end. Yeah. Um, so I wrote the middle section and the end section and the end section where all the vocals come in. That's my sister and, and I singing, by the way, because it's like a whole crowd, but we all we just recorded ourselves like 20 times each. Oh, nice. And uh, and then the intro came afterwards, so like the very first part. So it was just a case of like, I knew it was going to be set in space and I knew it was for kids because by the time I kind of like decided what the show should be like about... It was, it was like, I had lyrics like, if you fly past the stars left of Jupiter and Mars, which is such a kind of like, it's, it's kind of like innocent and like, um, fantastical, but it's like a storybook feel to it almost. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's a very childish direction to fly past the stars, you know? And, um, I just thought it's almost like. One one theme tune that I had in mind before, you know, when we first kind of announced that we were going to do theme tunes um, was Sesame Street. And uh, what I like about Sesame Street is that just one simple thing is that it tells you or it asks the question, how do you get to Sesame Street? And like you're just asking, how do you get there? And it's like the directions there. So I thought that would be kind of a nice thing to include, like the directions of how to get to this place. And the other theme tune I had in mind was um, was the theme tune for Cheers. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name And they're always glad you came You want to be where you can see The troubles are all the same Everybody knows your name. Um, which Noted I kids show cheers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. um, Barflies um, on the Children's Network. Um, and the thing, I don't I don't watch the show Cheers, but, you know, everyone knows the theme tune. Um, it has that lyric in it, a place where everybody knows your name. And I just thought that was a really nice lyric to... Um, like it's one of those lyrics where that was such a perfect lyric in that in the cheers theme tune that mm. i was like i almost want to use that i nearly almost did or like changed it a little bit but it's such a perfect lyric that you can't say anything like it without it sounding too much like it or just ripping it off or something so i just thought i'd try and capture that feel in my lyrics of just this this really happy place where if you if you can get there and you arrive there and that's where the show takes place everyone there will welcome you with open arms it's a peaceful calm place you know um 
I mean, you touched on the word that I was going to use there. It's a very welcoming sounding piece of music that you've written. But it is definitely the kind of show where, like, it would start and then, like, uh, you just have this old, plummy British narrator voice or, like, this really, like, subdued <laughs> British voice going, Part six. And so, as we head back to the planet past the moon in our big red balloon, we see our new friends. Who's this coming out today? Kind of like Trumpton kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Very sort of Oliver Postgate style show. Oh, yes, Oliver Postgate. Oh. Bagpuss in Space. <laughs> that's that's the name of the show. That's what it should be called. <laughs> Bagpuss in Space. Bagpuss in Space! <laughs> I can imagine just Bagpuss with like a space helmet on. It's perfect, perfect television show. Um, but then, um, I don't often do this, but I think the idea of it being like a purple planet for some reason in my head, because you've got the sparkling purple sea, which just fit the syllables, but like... Um, I don't know. The funny thing with like writing a theme tune for a show that doesn't exist is that anyone who hears it will interpret it differently visually in their mind. Hmm. So like someone else might interpret like it's like a blue planet with purple oceans or something, or someone else might say, well, actually, it's not really to do with space. It's just like set on another planet. So you don't really have like the images of it traveling, whereas someone else might say, but the big red balloon traveling between the planets is like the big idea. Or the big visual that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah exactly. What's the big idea? Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's, kind of, it's kind of interesting that I took the shortcut then and that I used a character that already existed and already had a certain tone attached to them. Whereas you're all sort of creating from whole cloth, as it were. Well, you you always use more references in your songs than I do. Um, That's true. I am very lazy. No, I don't think it's lazy. I just think <laughs> part, part part of your writing style is like you research and you know you have like a world um, and details and stuff like that. Whereas mine's much more sort of like I don't know um, vague and emotional and that sort of thing. Um, kind of but, uh, uh, sort of inward, emotionally facing. Normally, would you say? Yeah, something that conjures introspective, a feeling. Introspective, that's the word I'm looking for. That's the one. I like your, your sort of like Webster's definition of introversion. Oh, introspection, sorry. Oh, Emotion, looky, inny. Yeah. So it's like when you feel things, but you feel them inside so no one else sees them. <laughs> What's that thing, right, when I have voices in my head that I can hear, but you can't hear? Oh, yeah, so, thinking. So, psychopathy. Um, wait, what? Well, uh... <laughs> I got voices in my head. I'm getting button moon vibes from this as well. <laughs> like this sounds like the acoustic version of the button moon. I've got to admit, I've never heard or seen Button Moon. I mean, I've heard the theme tune. I've not actually seen any episodes of the show. But like, it's crazy how many shows there are like that. Like I was saying, like for me, Cheers is like that. Like, I know the theme tune. I tell you, what's an even better version of the Cheers theme tune is um, uh, you know, on the Simpsons, the oh, Flaming Moes episode. Flaming Moes. <laughs> that song. That song. Can we please? I mean, actually, wait. You don't have to. You can cut that if you want, but. If you have time, can you include a little bit of the Flaming Moe's theme tune? Because the chords in that song and the wordplay is beautiful. With the wife, 
But don't throw in the towel Cause there's a place right down the block Where you can drink your misery away I just. <laughs> I'm like, serious. No, 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 no. I, I, it's one of those things like uh, when you know what flaming mo is actually slang for. <laughs> that kind of. What's the slang it, for? Um, flaming mo's is actually kind of like a gay term, and there was originally going to be a joke in the episode where, um, where a gay couple like come up to Moe's Tavern thinking it's a gay bar because of the name and they get turned away and disgust afterwards when they go inside and they see it's just Mo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I, I destroy your innocence all the time. But yes, that is a beautifully written little song. I just, whenever you mention it, I just get those last little chords coming into my head like, happiness is just, just a flaming, flaming Mo away. <laughs> love it. I love uh, it. Um... But yeah, there are loads of themes that you just pick up by osmosis. Uh, like, you know, I I knew a lot of the Game of Thrones themes for ages, despite never having watched an episode until like part of the lockdown last year, and I've still not seen that much of it. Or like, um, for example, I bet you could. Well, I know I've shown you the Doctor Who theme, but like, I'm assuming you knew a little bit of that, even though you've not really seen the show. I mean. To answer it honestly, yes, but I have seen the show. Everyone's seen Doctor Who. I saw Doctor Who before I knew you. So I'm, I'm a British young person. Everyone knows Doctor Who. Oh, I just assumed you hadn't really Woo! watched it at all. But like the thing, you, you just know the theme though. Mm. Yeah, I've only watched the Den- David David Tennant series before I knew you. But yes, I mean, to your point, yes. I know you're just trying to make a point and I'm trying to be contrary. Yeah. Or like even if you've never watched The Simpsons, you still know the theme goes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the song was just like. Sometimes the theme tune's like the most famous thing, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's arguably the most successful bit of the Friends franchise because I'm not a fan of Friends at all. But mm, me that is. A, but that is a very powerful uh, theme tune. That's very recognisable. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, Interesting that um, some theme tunes are like written bespoke for the show, and some like that one. That was the Rembrandts, wasn't it? Um, and they just like that used written... a song that already existed. I think that was written for the theme, and then it was just expanded out. Let me go. Let me get onto the internet <laughs> and double check because we can't be putting out any false information. I'm sure we've never done that. <laughs> It was originally written for uh, Friends, and then it was re-recorded as a full song later. Uh, okay. Uh, all right. Okay. I did. I didn't realize that. Um, no, I don't, I don't think it's one of those things people do realize, uh, just because it sounds like a regular pop song. Well, the reason I said that is, I really liked the song when I was a kid. I never liked the show, but. And I, I like looked it up when I was like thirteen or something. I was like, "Oh, it's by the Rembrandts." And I just think from then I thought, "Oh, it's on an album or something." But apparently yeah, not. Well, it's one of those things that he just put it on an album once, you know, because Friends was stupidly popular, like insanely popular. You could not escape it. They're doing a comeback now, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I think that's meant to be like a interview episode i think james corden's meant to be hosting that when did this become the friends podcast um it's, uh, <laughs> i'm team chandler 
He's so I'm, crazy. I'm team... Is Rachel one of them? Hmm. If Joey is the biggest human, if Joey is the biggest friend, why does he not simply devour the other friends? <laughs> I love that. That's so good. <laughs> Future armor, right? Yeah. Oh, but that sums up my reaction to the show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I think you and I could probably, because we've never spoken about friends before, I feel like we could probably bond over not liking friends right now, but that's probably not the time or place. That, that'll be the second show. Uh, <laughs> it'll be the day. That'll be the second podcast. Us hate watching Friends. Um, Look at them. But it's, but it's Central Park. Indeed. <laughs> Sorry, go on. It's interesting, though, how many of these are like... Uh, or like the fact that we both wrote children TV show songs. And I think as a general yeah. rule, like a lot of the themes that hit big with you will be like kids TV themes because it'll just take you back to like being so excited for a show to happen. Like... Uh, of anyone of our generation, if you just start going, I want to be the very, very best. best. You suddenly, you lose them for about a minute and a half as they have to complete the whole thing. Talking of which, back in a minute. Like, no one ever was. That really does that give me a huge nostalgia trip. Yeah, back. Like, Digimon, Digital Monsters, Digimon are the champions. Can I just say, Digimon... They just cashed in on what Pokemon were doing. It even has Mon in it. Yep. It even uh, has Mon in it. it I, makes I, me feel sh- physically sick. I'm sure you'll be writing a very strongly worded letter. It's <laughs> <laughs> always like these little snatches of, like, for example, I don't know why, but I can still... Do you remember Tots TV at all? Rings oh, no, a bell. No, not, not Tot TV. Rosie and Jim. I can still remember the tune for Rosie and Jim. Rosie and Jim. Jim. Rosie and Jim sailing along in the old rag doll. I don't know why that is stuck in my head, but that will always be there. That's the power of TV themes on impressionable young minds. My uh, my dad told me this story of um, he and my brother were driving like on a road trip one time and they were behind this car for like miles so like i don't know like an hour and it was like this camper van they were behind and then it had like these two this rosie and jim dolls in the back window right and they were driving along behind these rosie and jim dolls for like an hour just looking at them you know kind of pointing them out oh look rosie and jim and then an hour into this they waved <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Clearly, the, uh, Rose and Jim weren't actually props. They were actually uh, people actually stitched into those suits uh, to get to get um, the footage that they needed for the show. It was horrific working conditions. Uh, I believe uh, that the full inquest and investigation is now ongoing into the events that happened on the set of Rose and Jim. That's actually the made du- me feel really uncomfortable. <laughs> The duck has some stories to tell. Oh, I bet he has. If if the, if those ducks could talk, <laughs> if that canal could talk, <laughs> it's literally going to turn into like. Do you remember that TV theme song? But like, it's amazing how many of them just stick, and it's like they all stick all the way through. Like uh, Arthur. Oh, Every day when yes. you're walking down the street, <laughs> and that's something on your feet. It makes a different point of view. And I say, hey, 
what a wonderful cat. Like, the thing is, with some TV themes, it's like, obviously there's nostalgia involved with why we like them so much, but, like, some of them are just so uplifting. Like, like emotionally powerful. And, like, we all share that emotion collectively. Well, it's the thing, like, anything that's really well written will stick with you. No matter what age you are, you will always respond to quality. Mm, absolutely. I mean, this is what one of the reasons why, like, people, like, kids end up going so hard for Star Wars a lot of the time is because it is genuinely that good. Uh, like, the, I know people's opinions on the writing from Episode Six onwards varies, uh, but like, just in terms of the way everything has been put together, it's such a high quality product, and the music is part of that. And like, you do even from a young age, you do get like things like the Imperial March or Duel of the Fates uh, the Ewoks music that's always been in my head like just whenever there's a quiet moment my brain automatically goes to that that's your screensaver is it? pretty much it's that or the archers one of the two it's so crazy it's interesting how like because you're so right when you're a kid you recognize quality but it's visceral it's not like i think when when we get older we have this tendency to like intellectualize things and be like oh yes that's really good because um you know this this well, and this you have whereas the what... capacity to do that whereas when you're a kid you're just reacting purely on an instinctive emotional level i i just remember being like four four years old like hearing abba and the beatles and being like oh like bohemian rhapsody and being like just not even saying anything just being like this is incredible you know, just like I love it. I just I, not again, not in an intellectual way. Just like dancing around to it and stuff. Just you know, you notice the difference. And it's this, like you say, the same with Star Wars. Just like that came on, and you just go like, you know, this is better than other stuff I've watched. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's not weird because humans are designed to respond to art. That's why we produce art. But like. It is it is frightening to think of how <laughs> how much that has like stuck it how much is stuck in your head now forever and will never ever go away. And the people who had the responsibility to put things in there and the fact that the good stuff survives. I think I There is wait. no point to that sentence, but <laughs> No, no, I hear you. I, I think thinking. it's like um I think that's kind of one reason of many why people get into being creative and like wanting to make art and stuff like in a way i think it's like really unhealthy to focus on like success but i think part of the reason like a very healthy reason people focus on success sometimes is because you know when we were younger we were so moved by various different you know arts and stuff and i think it's only natural to want to have that you know impression on other people not in an egoic way even just like you know just want to be part of that world because you sort of, if it's something you really like and you get someone has the misfortune of buying you a behind-the-scenes book and then you see, like, oh, so that's how they made Thunderbird 2 take off or, like, oh, so that's how they're doing the green screen for that. And you suddenly think, I want to be <laughs> in the film and TV business. And your parents yeah. look at you and go, oh, God. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. He's going to be one of those. <laughs> Oh no, we have an artist for a son. <laughs> yeah. Why, God, why? <laughs> What's that thing on the fast show? Um, Dad, I don't want to be a poet. You'll be a poet just like your, me and your father, my father before him. Wait, no, that's not it. I forget it. I forget I said anything. 
<laughs> I'm rubbish. I wish I could quote sketches because sketches are funny, you know. Sketches are funny. Um, <laughs> this is the conclusion me. that we come, <laughs> we come to at the end of the show. Like, yes, it is funny. And that's huh. been the point of our learning this week. Uh, we got massively off from uh, <laughs> TV theme. I think I spoke about my song, though. Did I miss anything? Not that I'm aware of. I think I spoke about the chords and the lyrics. Um, yeah, I, I did. I'm done. I'm done. Oh. <laughs> I'm done. I don't want to go back. I'm finished. You'll never work in this town again. So that's it for this episode of the Weekly Song Podcast. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, if you have any opinions about anything that has been shared today, if you have a song that you'd like to send in, if you maybe just want to tell us what TV theme songs that we missed out that are actual actual bangers, um, <laughs> I'm keeping that take because it it's only a slight mess up. And it's yeah, slightly yeah, yeah. funny the more and more I explain it and try and justify it on air. Um, then why not write to weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com? Uh, you can find the Weekly Song Podcast on Facebook, on YouTube, on Instagram, at various other places in the interweb. Basically, if you search, if you're on a service, search the Weekly Song Podcast. If, if we show up, then congratulations, you found a service that we're on. <laughs> the internet is now your oyster go and explore whilst you're exploring uh roger where can the nice people at home find your music within the digital sphere so just search roger heathers um on follow me on instagram um i post like videos and i make music and post about it on there um i've I've also made a, a lot of albums um you can check me out. Search Roger Heathers on Bandcamp, Spotify, or Apple Music. Some of those um, albums are available for free, and they're really good. Oh, and I'm going to have an EP out soon as well. Um, I've just decided. <gasps> what, just this second? On it? <laughs> Literally just this second. You um, live dangerously. I don't know quite when, but like sometime in the next month. Probably like in two episodes time it'll be out or something. So, Anyway, so uh, where can people find your music, Declan? Uh, they can find my music on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Music, uh, other fun services. I'm not sure entirely which ones. I don't have an exhaustive list. Um, Bandcamp as well. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook. Search Declan Kitchener Music. Uh, I sometimes post things on there. Not often, but I do. And uh, on YouTube, search Declan Kitchener Music. And you'll see a load of silly covers that I have done. Which are all covers and silly and fun and good. Oh, thank you. Roger has done the same. Search for his YouTube channel. He's done much better ones than I have. We're doing like um, a cover challenge, aren't we? Yeah, among friends, of our mates. Yeah, and uh, this this week's interesting. Uh, the one that I have to do, but I'm looking forward to getting that one out. Uh, talking of challenges, we have to write next week's song. Oh my god, I'm so nervous. I don't know if I'm going to be able to write one because, like, it's daunting because I actually haven't written it yet, and I'm going to have to. Yes, we. This is totally not the second record of this episode uh, <laughs> at all because, and we're definitely not recording it the second time because someone me forgot to rec- forgot to uh, keep hold of his audio. No, throw it in would, the trash. That would be a terrible thing to have happened. And it would make me look like an idiot. <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> oh. uh, so, the song that we are writing next week uh, is a rock and roll song. 
think Elvis, think Buddy Elvis. Holly, <laughs> think Elvis again, <laughs> think um, Chuck Berry, think Jerry Lee Lewis, think uh, Eddie Cochran. Think Eddie Cochran. Um, let's get one more. Um, the Big Bopper. Thank you, The Big Bopper. Um, think about all those people because that's what rock and roll is. Um, popularized in Ricky the fifties. Um, I don't know who that is. Peggy Lee. Peggy Sue. Um, don't sue me, Peggy. Please, no. <laughs> Have um, mercy, Peggy. No, Peggy, get away. What are you doing? No. Ah! Gonna be, it's going to be interesting with rock and roll, though. Sanctuary. Actually, Sanctuary. We, We've. What do you want to vote? We've already blown the um the thing for next week because we've already done it. But rock and roll is pretty simple. So what will we do? How will we spice up these songs? How will we spice up our marriages? Wait, we're married. Anyway, um, so, so I think that's actually about all we can say for this week. Um, we are and slowly how? going insane. <laughs> <laughs> but this has been fun and we shall see you all again next week for more of the same uh, and also next week for more of the same uh, also know that this episode was better than the one that was deleted yes so it was actually for the best yes it may sound more chaotic and it is and that's why it's better um, we love so. you though we thank you for listening yes uh Yes, we do appreciate every single listen. Please, please tell all your friends to listen to us, and we'll get better. We won't, but we'll try. <laughs> um, anyway, see you guys in the future. Ta-ra. Sorry, ta-ra.